You are tuning into the Rise Station podcast. I'm your host, Pranella Harris, licensed mental health provider, bringing you everyday wellness tips and mental health education. If you're joining me for the first time, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so that you may receive alerts every Monday at 7 a.m. when I upload a new episode. If you like what you hear today, please leave me a glowing review and share this podcast out to your friends and family so that we can get this message out to as many people as possible. I want to shout out to my Rise Tribe, my loyal listeners who rise and vibe with me every single week. Thank you so much for your support. The last few episodes have been focused on narcissism and educating you all about narcissism. Today, we are going to discuss codependency, which is closely related to narcissism. As people who display codependent traits in relationship find themselves more so than not attracting toxic individuals and narcissistic individuals. Codependent individuals are highly empathic and highly sought after by takers, by people who want to benefit from their giving abilities, for their thoughtfulness, from their willingness to always help. And those people can be toxic people, those people can be narcissistic people, or just self-centered people. But codependents are often looked at as wonderful supply for narcissistic individuals. So I want to go ahead and educate you on what codependency is. That way you can do some self-evaluation and begin working on that so you can attract healthier relationships into your life. Before we get into that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Restorative Family Services. We are a behavioral health practice Our mission is to provide quality, affordable, and accessible mental health care to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. If you are struggling and in a dark place, we are here to help. Visit our website at www.RestorativeFamilyServices.com. This podcast is brought to you by Private Practice, where we provide leadership training and practice management coaching specific to helping mental health professionals build their private practice to provide a much needed service for their community. Want to learn more? Visit our website at www.privatepractice.com. Codependency can be defined as an over-reliance on another person you're in a relationship to meet your needs. See, healthy relationships start with a healthy relationship with yourself. However, many of us get into these relationships with others in hopes and with expectations that another person will heal us, will be our savior from low self-esteem, from anxiety, from our negative self-talk, from depression, and just help us heal our childhood wounds and trauma and so on. That in itself puts a lot of pressure on the person you're in a relationship with. To have that responsibility of making your life better, of healing you, is a lot of pressure and it's a lot to ask for another person. See, healthy relationships happen because people who get into those relationships exercise healthy boundaries and have a healthy understanding and realistic expectations of the relationship that 
you know, coming into union with someone completely whole and not looking for that other person to complete you. So that's why we're talking about codependency today, because really start to look at some of these wounds, look at some tightly held thought patterns about relationship and really start looking at ourselves. Okay, what am I contributing to these toxic relationships that I keep attracting? What is it in me that is still left to heal? So really taking a deep dive and look at what are your boundaries? At what are your views and perspective on relationships? What are your expectations? And where do all of these things stem from? And is this helping me to attract healthier individuals? So we're going to go ahead and get into it today. You see, codependency starts in our formative years. Our families are our first teachers. We learn everything about the world and how to engage with the world through our families. So watching our families, watching how boundaries are portrayed in our households, codependency was a term that was first studied in individuals who had families who struggled with substance abuse and alcohol. And what they noticed was that the family would organize themselves in a way that functioned. So the person who had the substance abuse disorder was deemed as ill and the family would organize themselves around this person. So they would anticipate this person's needs. Children of individuals who had alcohol and substance abuse disorder would become parentified. They would take on other roles so that the family would function. So if it was a parent who struggled with substance abuse, the family would organized and be able to function without that person. So the children may become more parentified. The other spouse, the nine addicted spouse would take on more responsibilities and it absolved the individual struggling with a substance abuse disorder from any responsibility and also enabled negative behavior patterns. If that person was irate, the family would learn how to deal with those irate mood swings, would know, would walk on eggshells and identify when this person was upset, angry. So it is the same concept, but we see this also in relationships without alcohol and substance abuse. It's just really targeting boundaries and how boundaries were taught in your family environment. So codependency issues typically develop when someone is raised by parents who are either overprotective or underprotective. Let's take overprotective. Let's start there. So overprotective parents may have shielded or protected their children from gaining the confidence they needed to be independent in the world. So They may have coddled them. They may have prevented their children from learning basic life skills. So making decisions or not allowing uh, their children to choose, but making all the decisions and choices for them, not allowing them to engage with other families, really keeping the children sheltered and providing for all of their needs and just not allowing the children that access 
to gain that confidence and self-reliance of learning a certain basic skills. Maybe the kids didn't have any chores. Maybe the parent, the mom, or the dad did all of the chores and the children never learned how to take care of their space or clean up after themselves or how to budget their money or budget an allowance. So preventing them from having that confidence of learning life skills on their own. The second type of parenting is underprotective parenting. See, in underprotective parenting, parents have failed to provide adequate support and guidance for their children. So when this doesn't happen, the children have to rely on themselves to meet their own needs. So they become parentified. They may even meet the needs of their parents providing emotional support, providing just real practical support to their parents, especially if their parents struggle with a mental illness, maybe depression or a substance abuse disorder. They grow up later in life putting other people's needs before themselves because that's how they have been reared. They've been reared to provide for the family. They are used to providing for people whose role is really to provide for them. So they've learned to put their needs on the back burner, whether it's their emotional needs, whether it's their basic needs, but to put their needs on the back burner so that they can please others. And typically when they do this, the parent is pleased. So they grow up learning, hey, I have to earn affection. I have to earn love. And this is the start of how we get our boundaries mixed up. And in relationship, we play out the same roles where we're putting our needs on the back burners and putting our partner's needs first. And our friendships where, you know, we're not deciding what movie to watch, what restaurant to go to. It's, oh, I'm okay with whatever. Whatever you guys decide, I'll be fine. When someone needs something, we are the first one to meet those needs because we feel empowered. We feel loved. We feel great when we are giving. So these lessons are learned very, very early on in our formative years. So we're going to go ahead and get into what are some telltale signs that you're struggling with codependency. Number one is you have a difficult time saying no often fearing abandonment, rejection. So you say yes. You say yes, because if people are happy, they will say. So even if there's something you don't want to do, you'll say yes to not ruffle the feathers, to not be rejected, to not be on the outside, but to really be accepted and in hopes that people stick around. Number two, You often do things that you don't want to do in order to please others. So it goes in line with number one, right? So you place your own happiness beneath that of others. Other people's happiness, joy comes first, your needs comes later. And what this does is we're like chameleons in relationship because you're doing things you don't want to do in hopes that you're pleasing others, but no one ever really gets to know anything about you. There's not a level of intimacy. You just kind of go along with whatever they want to do. They want to say you really don't have your own identity. 
when it comes to you letting other people know what you like and what you don't like. All right. Number three, you feel compelled to help your partner solve their problems. So in a sense, you might offer unsolicited help. You might start taking over projects. You are essentially when your partner has a crisis, that crisis becomes your crisis. And it really blurs the boundaries because it doesn't allow your partner that space and time to figure things out because you have taken it on and taken on the problem as if it was your own. Number four, you feel responsible for your partner. So anything that happens to your partner, whether good or bad, you feel that is your responsibility to fix, to impact. There's a level of enmeshment there where you're not sure where you start and stop and where your partner starts and stop. Their problem becomes your problem and you feel completely responsible for their happiness, for their joy, for any sadness that comes into their lives. So let's say your partner gets bad news that they're laid off from work that problem then is taken on. So you start looking for new jobs for them. You start calling their boss. You start showing up at work wanting to have a meeting with their boss. Um, Sometimes you might even see this in the parent-child relationship where the parent is taking on so much responsibility for their children and not allowing them to become confident, become assertive. So, you know, the child might be 18 in college and parent wants to talk to the professors. They want to talk to the guidance. They want to have an impact or influence over what studies they take up, what their major is. And maybe the child wants to major in psychology, but the parent wants them to be a doctor. Is that level of, hey, I and responsible. You know, I know you want to be a psychology major, but they don't make a lot of money. So we want you to be a doctor. That's what you're going to do. So it's that level of feeling responsible, even, you know, for a partner who should be more of your equal. And as your children grow older, you know, the parent child relationship uh, should change to a more consultant relationship. So that's an example of feeling responsible for your partner. Number five is anticipating your partner's needs. So the telltale sign is if you're anticipating your partner's needs. See, codependency is very much so considered a addiction to relationship, right? So you spend a lot of time ruminating and obsessing about your partners and what they're thinking, what they're feeling and how you can make their lives better and how you can anticipate what would make them happier and and just really taking on the life of your partner so much so that you forget to have a life of your own. And so you lose your identity and being so enmeshed with your partner judgment and saying how things should be. So making, you know, once you start anticipating your partner's needs, you start taking over. Okay, well, if you did it this way, it will yield this result. And if you just didn't think that way, and you just lived your life this way, then you would be so much happier. Again, it takes your partner out of the equation, because now that you've anticipated, they're really not having to think 
about anything. They're really not having to ask for anything. They're really not having to solve their own problems. And you're taking so much stress, so much burden onto yourself by doing this. All right. Number six is people pleasing, putting other people's needs before your own. So let's say a friend calls you and you're on your way to the airport, dropping everything you are doing, missing your flight so that you can help someone else out. Or maybe you only have $100 to pay this bill and someone needed $100 to pay their bill. You would sacrifice paying your own bills to give to someone else. So putting someone else's needs before your own dropping everything you need to do in order to meet someone else's needs. If someone asks you to go out of your way to to do them a favor, doing that, never saying no, always saying yes. All right. Number seven is you're so used to giving to others that it feels uncomfortable to receive help or even ask for help. You know, you might be in a really rough spot and you might need to borrow some money, but you're so used to always being the giver that asking for help feels like, you know, just it it just feels so uncomfortable that you would rather suffer in silence than ask for help. And when people offer to give help, no, 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 I'm okay, even when you're not, because you have been ingrained and in your formative years, you have been so used to putting your needs on the back burner that, you know, asking for help or being poured into feels uncomfortable and also and actually cause you a little bit of anxiety. Okay. Number eight is you tend to take on more than your fair share of work. Let's say there's a group project. And you often in these group projects, you often tend to have more tasks than the other group members, you know, because you volunteer, whether it's you volunteering for more tasks or you seeing someone else really have a hard time and you picking up the slack. But you tend to always end up working harder, doing more and not allowing others to show up and reciprocate. So. What that looks like in a family dynamic is you're working seven hours a day. You come home, you go pick up the kids from school. You come home, you make dinner and you have a partner who's been home for, you know, three o'clock. But you feel like, hey, this is my duty. I need to do this. I do it better. I make dinner better. I can do it in this amount of hours. Don't you worry yourself. I'll I'll handle everything. And you end up handling everything. So not being able to delegate tasks, not being able to ask for help, taking on more of your fair share is another reason, another telltale sign of codependency. All right, we got two more. Number nine is you spend so much of your time anticipating and meeting others' needs that when asked about your own needs, you have a difficult time communicating what it is that you need. So if someone was to ask you, well, what do you need help with? It's hard for you to say what you need help with. Or perhaps what do you dream about? What are your dreams? What's your five-year plan? Or what would make you happy? Or what 
career would you be doing if you weren't in the career that you're in? So not really ever focusing on you, but you've been so busy focusing on everyone else that you don't have a goal. You don't have your goals lined up. You don't have things that you want to do that only require your growth because you've put so much time and attention into serving others that you don't really have an identity of your own. Okay. Number 10 is You do not trust your own judgment, decision-making ability, and feelings. So you're unsure of yourself. You lack the confidence. So you defer to other people because you're not sure of your own judgment. You're not sure of your own decision-making. And this typically happens when you have grown up with the overprotective type of parent, the person that has done and made all the decisions for you, um, the more controlling or dominating type of parenting where you really didn't have to make decisions. So that muscle of making decisions, trusting yourself is not developed. And so that part of your development you struggle with. So to overcome codependency, You have to spend some time rewriting the tightly held ideas about yourself. Oftentimes, these beliefs are ingrained in our identity of what it means to be a woman, a good person, a man, a mother, a father. You know, we are socialized in our religion, in our culture to serve, to serve others, to be giving, to be nurturing. And that is a beautiful thing to do. And, and please don't change that. But it is the intent behind the action that is when codependency becomes a problem. When it is the intent of serving others that you will actually get your emotional needs met. But if you're serving others from a place of abundance and not from a place of lack, meaning I'm lacking the emotional support that I need within myself. So I'm looking for other people to fill this bucket. So I'm doing this act of service in hopes that I get something in return, which is in itself manipulative. That is when it becomes a problem because we're looking to get something in return from our acts of service rather than serving from a place of abundance. Hey, I have so much to give that I just enjoy giving and it doesn't deplete me in giving. But if you're already depleted and you're giving, it's an imbalance because you're hoping to get a return on that investment. All right. So the intention would be to give from a place of abundance so that you're full, no matter whether or not it's returned to you or not, but you're giving because this is something that you really feel called to do. And it doesn't take away from your emotional stability. Okay. And so that's what I share with individuals is serving is not a bad thing. Giving is not a bad thing, but making sure that you're selective and you have good boundaries when you are serving and giving. All right. Codependency can be overcome. I recommend getting a good mental health therapist and begin working on your self-concept, healthy boundaries and detaching from outdated programming that links your happiness to that of either achievement or external validation and anything else outside of your control. So in conclusion, when you know better, you do better. 
The purpose of this episode is to illuminate how our experiences in our formative years can impact our relationships. The purpose is not to call up your parents and blame them for all the failed relationships you've ever endured in your life, but rather for you to take an introspective look at yourself and decide that you can break the cycle of generational trauma and decide to heal yourself so that generations that follow you are more healed version. When you know better, you do better. Until next time, enjoy your day on purpose. If you have found this episode helpful, help us grow our audience. By providing us with a five-star review, you help make this podcast visible to others. Help pull others out of a dark space by showing that you care, by sharing this podcast with them. Nothing is better than a friend or loved one who wants you to up-level your life with them. Thanks for tuning in.